Our guest today is Dr. Jacqueline Gardner. She is a professor of engineering here at Campbell University, and she's going to talk to us about sustainability. And I know maybe you think sustainability and engineering aren't two things that go hand in hand, but guess what? They are. Because (laughs) um, (laughs) as as we talk about in this interview, um, the world is turning to engineers to figure out their sustainability challenges. And this interview was lined up and uh the brainchild of kate stoneburner who (laughs) oh wow thank you um well i'm just giving you credit uh you and i both go out and we find the guests for the show and this happened to be your guest and you you take the lead on this one you asked all the questions because i don't know a whole lot about sustainability and how did you learn about this Oh, uh, this was a total accident. A friend of the podcast, Nick Heyer, reached out and said, hey, we have a plant sale coming up. And uh, I said, hey, Nick, that's really cool. Do you want to be on the podcast? And he said, uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he directed me towards someone who might be able to talk about this plant sale. And I get very excited at plant sales. Billy, do you have a green thumb? No, no. And uh, my wife thinks she does. And okay. I can say this because... She admittedly never listens to any podcast I ever put out at any platform. Boo. So, <laughs> so, um, but she always buys plants and they always look great in April and May. And then by the time we get around to the dry months of July and August, um, it's rare that any of them survive. But it uh, sounds like it's on purpose, though. That sounds no, like very no, it's not. She's not. No, she she's not a serial plant killer by any no. means. She. She has good intentions when she does it. Uh, life usually gets in the way. We have three young children, and I guess you kind of have to legally prioritize them over your plants. We do, yeah. yeah. We it's either water the the dogs and the kids, or water the plants, and the dogs and the kids whine more than the plants do. So they usually went out. But I will say, she did buy. Um, we bought a new house during the COVID. <laughs> Is that what we call it? The COVID? <laughs> I was I gonna like say the, the pandemic. Pandemic Lovato is my favorite. The pandemic Lovato and um and we have a front porch and we didn't have a front porch in our old house. And on our nice. new front porch we do have hanging plants and they did survive. Awesome. Even the one that became home of a mama bird and her baby birds. We were oh, watering them one day and a bird flew out of it <laughs> as we were watering them because they're you have they're to like yeah you know, they're high up and you have to um, raise your arm to to water so we didn't see it and uh, so we um, I think the birds made it and nice and uh, and the plants back and the plant survived but yeah so we have hanging plants that did survive but anything anything on the ground. anything on the ground yeah well your bird story uh, remind me to show you later the video I have of a raccoon on my boyfriend's back porch because it's really cute and scary anyway okay was he uh, also living in a plant <laughs> he was living under a an outdoor furniture cover for many moons without oh. his knowledge <laughs> so um, raccoons are you're not supposed to really approach those though are you i mean uh, they no can we carry... parked it with a stick a bunch under oh. the canvas oh. well we couldn't figure <laughs> out if it was the raccoon or a pillow and then it made its presence known okay so. Rat- raccoons are cute though yeah really cute so did you let it live, or did you have to call on a guy to come in well, and, and take care of it? Well, he was walking really strangely, and we really thought he wasn't okay. So they did send a, a very wonderful, sassy woman with a big trap. Uh, but she was unable to catch him. She just she wouldn't really shut up, would she? Best. 
She, uh, you she said went big trap. I was it. making a terrible joke. <laughs> oh, I totally missed Sorry. that. I thought you just had some prior past bad experiences with this, the Wake this, County this dame with a big control. This dame with a big trap. All <laughs> some, right. Some old. I have thoroughly <laughs> derailed this intro. Um, I'm just gonna. Just well, gonna d- hey, tell us yeah, before before we get to the interview. Tell us about the plant sale. You had a list of the plants. That... I have a funny list. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I think plant names are so funny and none of these are hanging plants and several of them I've never heard of. But I'm just gonna just gonna let you guys know for those of you who do have green thumbs who are interested in uh, maybe making a purchase to support the Campbell University Back Nine wildlife area. Here's what we have. Asters, beard tongues, beauty berries, bee balms, black-eyed Susans, blackberries, blazing stars, bonisets, butterfly bushes, chives, coneflowers, coreopsis, culver's root, daisies, elderberries, figs, I'm not even going to try that one, guaris, goji berries, goldenrods, hyssops, indigos, iron re- iron weeds, doe pie weeds, lantanas, lead plants, lobelias, mallows, milkweeds, mints, New Jersey tea, olives, orange bald tree, phlox, raspberries, rattlesnake masters, rose of Sharon, sages, sedums, spiderwort, St. John's wort, some Flower Sweet Spire, Verbenas, maybe? Verveins, Vilburnums, Vitex, Wagalos, White Veined Pipe Vine, and the website says, and more. <laughs> so everyone's excited. This, I'm going to take this little one minute clip, and in the future, if we ever have just uh, a moment of dead air, I'm just going to play you listing off plant names. <laughs> I've, I've, heard, I've heard a lot of them. I've heard of a I've lot heard of those. most of them, and every so often there's one that I. I cannot imagine referencing in my daily life. So. I think like the people who name birds, I think after they got mm-hmm. through the the first hundred, you know, Orioles and Blue Jays and yeah. and all the really cool names or with plants, you have ferns and, and dandelions. I think eventually they just got to a point where they just put two words together and they made it. <laughs> they made it the name of the plan. Like, uh, let's call this one a, uh, oh, I don't know, a Bobby a Lens. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Lens, that's it. Or I actually looked at two things in front of me just now, which was a lens cap and a magazine cover with the name Bobby on it. it I named And legit. I named a plant by doing that. That's how the, the paint color people do it. When you walk into Lowe's and you're accosted by a rack with about 1,200 different colors of paint with unique individual names. Yes, yes. Well... Our guest is Dr. Jacqueline Gardner. She talks about this back nine wildflower, or no, what, uh, explain this. <laughs> <I'm really laughs> it's not trying. wildflower, it's back nine. Well, it's called the Campbell Pollinator Meadows and River Park, but okay. colloquially here, we call it the back nine because it is close to the Keith Hills Golf Course, and you do have to get through it through these back nine holes, okay. is what I have been told. And if you aren't familiar with Keith Hills, if you know where the medical school is, it's behind that. That's a... Yeah. Uh, um, that's a whole area along the um, Cape Fear River that is still um, full of wildlife and full of really cool things. And it's really neat that Campbell University and its staff and faculty are, you know, um, giving back and preserving some of this land. And so uh, anyway, without further ado, Dr. Jacqueline Gardner, and uh, thank you for listening to Rhymes with Orange. We are here with Dr. Jacqueline Gartner. She is an assistant professor in engineering who specializes in chemical engineering. And she is on the podcast today because she is also a new chair of the sustainability at Campbell committee. And we have not really talked to anyone about sustainability at Campbell before. And I, for one, have a lot of questions. 
And my first one is, how does one end up on the sustainability committee? And why do we need engineers thinking about things like this? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So um, I can tell you how I ended up on the committee. Um, they send a survey out in maybe the spring every year asking professors which committees they want to be on. And, you know, I kind of went through and yeah, like in grad school, I studied a lot of like biomass conversion, like renewable energy kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I thought the sustainability committee was maybe somewhere where I could make a contribution. And also, yeah, I like thinking about sustainability and I think there's a lot of opportunity at Campbell um, to make ourselves more sustainable. So that's why I signed up for it. Definitely. I think that's great. How long have you been at Campbell? It's been uh, four and a half years now. Okay, great. I'm working on for myself. And as I've seen more and more buildings go up, um, I think about it a lot just because, you know, we have a a huge mix of old and new on this campus. And they're kind of startling differences (laughs) in how efficiently those buildings seem to work, even with things like air conditioning. Uh, But in addition to all these old and new buildings, uh, I was looking things up about Campbell the other day and I discovered we own something like 1300 acres in Boys Creek. Uh, It's hard for me to believe that Boys Creek is that big to begin with. And I know a lot of that is on campus, uh, but there are also lots of green spaces that our students and staff, particularly in biology, seem to be involved with that I don't think the majority of camels know about. So I would love it if you could explain some of the spaces we have, particularly this um, back nine area that I'm not really sure where it is, but I keep hearing about it. Yeah, certainly. So uh, the back nine, it used to be, you know, nine holes at Keith Hills Golf Course. And I think it was maybe mid 2000s, they decommissioned those nine holes and turned it into just a space where, yeah, people could um, go for leisure. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting space because there is a there's an old cart path there. So there's an asphalt trail. And then there's um, there's some other mode areas too. But there's also a really long length of land that is um, on the Cape Fear River. So um, there's, there's a nice trail along the, the riverfront as well, which, you know, that's pretty cool that you could just go wander by the river. Um, there's a pollinator garden down there too. Um, and okay. So there's a couple of ways to get there. You can, um, kind of wander through Keith Hills. So, uh, if you've ever walked the golf course, like there's, there's a couple of nines on there. And there's a couple of shortcuts through, um, okay, it's the nine with the two silos on it. You can kind of cut through one of those, cut back. Um, And you can also drive around the other way. So you go down 401 and there's a map online where you can see where there's a parking lot um, to also access the trails. Uh, Something that is in the works is... um, yeah, the university is working with the golf course to try to get a trail from the med school down to the back nine. Um, and it's been sort of rebranded as the Campbell River Trails, which is, um, yeah, I think it's very cool because it highlights that the Cape Fear is right there. Um, and there's also some primitive campsites there. So if you're into, you know, maybe you want to go out for a night and 
you know, you've never done backpacking before. I think it's a really great opportunity because there's, you know, there's no bathrooms, right? Like you got to go to the fire restrictions, like, you know, all these kinds of things. So um, yeah, like it's a really interesting space, especially because it's so close to the university. So you're still in civilization, but this yes. is not your most well-maintained state trail. This is still kind of a little bit of a wilderness right next to Campbell, which I like the idea of. I'm not sure if I like the idea of backpacking. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the idea of rebranding it because the back nine to me is like, oh, that's for those PGA golf management students and I don't belong over there. Um, but I, I'm sure that we have students here who are outdoorsy or more interested in in hiking or in just exploring in nature and things like that, um, who really just don't know what's available because, I mean, I work in marketing and I don't think I've done a great job <laughs> making it available. I did think back to, we just started a university TikTok and we could do a whole nother podcast on that adventure, but uh, we did a little feature on some of the trails and the disc golf area behind the track. And when I posted that, people were commenting, where is this? And that to me is the most accessible trail slash green space that we have because it is so close. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering from the sustainability perspective or even just someone who works closely with our very enthusiastic and awesome ecology and biology professors, do you know if there are plans to raise awareness for those areas in the future? Yeah, so the university is uh, working on partnering with the city of Lillington. So the city is interested in putting a river walk all the way from Lillington to Campbell and maybe even further. So there's a new property owner, like that long strip of, um, if you're going on 401 from Campbell towards Lillington, um, on the left-hand side, there's, you know, right now it's all sort of wild, um, but it's recently been purchased by um, like a developer that is also working with the city of Lillington. So there could be an unbroken path. And I think that the idea is, you know, like a lot of people are moving to Harnett County and there is a desire for people to be outside. And, you know, especially with a resource like the Cape Fear, it'd be really cool if um, there could be some accessibility to the riverfront. So um, yeah, depending on um, a couple of things, yeah, the, this is, well, it's really the Campbell River Trail. Um, and then there's a undergraduate club uh, also working on that effort to try to get, you know, funding from, from the city to build that trail. Um, I'm pretty sure the golf course maintains some, like the back nine. So there's some mowing that happens. And I mean, certainly, you know, the biology and the ecology departments go back there for, you know, class trips and collecting samples, those types of things. Okay, that's great. Hey, hey Dr. Gardner. Um, I know Kate has a few more questions about some of the things that, uh, that you guys are doing to improve sustainability here on campus. I wanted to ask a couple questions about um, how this how, how this translates to the classroom. I know mm -hmm. um, when I've covered a couple of uh, past couple years when covering stories on um, engineering senior projects or some of the uh, abroad trips that your students take, sustainability plays a lot into what they're doing. And it just seems like to me, um, you know, the world is turning to engineers uh, to, to figure out some of these problems. So can you talk a little bit about um, 
how this is how this translates to your classroom and and how um, some of these projects that your students are taking on um, not only are they learning from it but they're also coming up with ways to uh, I guess you know improve <laughs> improve the world so uh, you know what kind of role does that play in in what you teach yeah yeah I think it's another great question for sure um, because I mean, that's part of Campbell's mission, right? We want to connect all of these things towards education. So, yeah, I would say the engineering perspective, you know, certainly um, we're looking at it in terms of design. So, you know, with respect to the trails, you could think about, you know, drainage, and then you could also think about um, some like usage issues. Like, so in grad school, I took this class and we built models, trying to predict usage of um, sort of trails, right? So, okay, if we had this many people on the trail, what would be the feedback loop um, and the consequence to the environment, right? And so it was sort of these, you know, you have to look at the inputs and the outputs and then some of these other factors that maybe maybe you don't really think about, right? Like weather is certainly an issue. And then, you know, there's, there's the people on the trails, but then there's also access to the trails. So thinking about building um, the infrastructure to make sure that um, not just the trails are maintained, but, you know, if people come to the parking lot, they, they also have somewhere to go and, you know, they're not waiting, you know, a long line and there's an entrance and an exit and some of these things. Um, I would say, you know, with the trails specifically, the things that, um, we're looking at are, so there's a couple of ideas, um, Dr. John Bartlett is really interested. So that trail from uh, the nursing school to the Campbell River trails, they wanna build like an exercise path on there. So maybe we've seen these before, right? So there's like a trail and then along the side, there's maybe some pull-up bars or you know other weather resistant exercise equipment where people could you know get some cardio and then maybe get some strength training, these types of things. Um, and you know, there's, there's um, solutions out there that have those types of things. But in terms of a, of a sustainability perspective, you also want to think about um, accessibility, right? So, okay, if we have this exercise trail, like, is it only available to those people that, you know, can walk? Like, do we want to make it available to more of those types of people? And then with the equipment provided, there's those questions as well, right? It's not just the building of the trail, you know, thinking about grade and, you know, maintenance, um, but okay, so there's these pieces of equipment, like what does it look like if someone's height restricted or, you know, they have other maybe mobility challenges, right? Like, so you kind of have to look at all of the inputs and then consider really your stakeholders. And in terms of, I guess, the the river trail, the stakeholders right now are, you know, Campbell faculty, staff, and friends. That's um, sort of the target audience for this. Um, So if, you know, we expand to the city of Lillington, you know, engineers do need to think about even other things like, okay, if we build this river trail along the, the coastline of the Cape Fear, like what is that coastline going to look like in five or 10 years, right? So you need to make sure that it's it's an investment that will last. And um, if, if it's not, then you have to look at other solutions to either, you know, maybe like 
make improvements to the coastline or prevent flooding or, you know, some of these types of things. And these are problems that really bring in a lot of different types of expertise from a lot of different engineers. So, you know, there's some engineers that know how to build bridges and do drainage a lot. And there's other engineers that understand the structural aspects of those things really well. So it's, it's not like, um, just one person can go in, which is why, you know, we work on these teams as well. And we ask students to solve sort of these ambiguous problems, which are, are more like real life problems, right? They need that experience before they graduate. Yeah. I hope I answered your question. I'm not sure if I did. Oh, yeah. No, no, ab <laughs> oh, no absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, uh, you know, the um, I just noticed with your students, uh, and I don't remember the exact projects, but I remember Wow, you had students who were who were coming up with ideas to uh, to clean to clean water more efficiently, and you had uh, I don't know I was talking to a to a student who um, whose first job out of college was designing the air conditioning units for the tigers at the North Carolina Zoo in a way that not only saved energy but you know also um, provided the the most comfortable environment for animals um closest to what you know their natural habitats were and then and uh you know these are these are huge projects and these um and maybe not the tiger one doesn't really count for sustainability maybe it does but it just uh it just seems like to me um that there's going to be just so many jobs out there for for engineers when it comes to um coming up with these solutions to you know, to help the environment. And uh, I, I guess that's real, a real selling point for, you know, entering the field is not only will you be gainfully employed, but you'll be making a difference as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly true. Um, and the projects our students work on, you know, they really do rise to the occasion. Like I think students, you know, if you set high expectations, they often reach them. Um, so, yeah, the creativity that they come up with. And then, you know, even some of the ideas that, that they form, um, yeah, they're just really innovative and interesting. And, you know, not all of them are feasible, which is why, you know, there's other people on the team trying to like, okay, like if we actually did that, like how much would it cost, right? <laughs> like some of these types of questions. Um, but that the idea stage is just what's possible. And that's, that's a super fun part of engineering. Oh, I'm glad I was muted for that. All right, back to me. <laughs> well, I know you've been here for almost five years, it sounds like. And I think that sometimes making changes for sustainability can be frustratingly slow. And so I guess my next question is just, have you noticed significant efforts at Campbell? It can be in any way, whether it's through green spaces or just things like conserving energy um, during winter break. Uh, have you noticed anything that you feel is a, a pretty significant improvement here? Or do you think we have just a long way to go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's always opportunities to make improvements, but I do think that, you know, Campbell is very aware that, um, and, and making strides towards becoming more sustainable, right? Even since I've been here, you know, we've gotten a recycling program. And um, yeah, one of uh, another engineering professor was working with some like consultants on collecting like 
data from various buildings around campus about temperature and humidity just to better understand energy consumption, right? Like, and I think before you can actually make recommendations about how to solve a problem, right? You first have to understand what's happening. So I think for a lot of, you know, and which is why these things are slow, right? Like you can't make a, a good recommendation about how to move forward until you actually understand, like, like you said, you know, the energy efficiency between different buildings may be really different, um, but you have to ask questions like, well, what's the usage of that building, right? Like how many people are actually working in there and, you know, how many square feet need to be, um, like climate control, right? And how old is actually the unit? And then what does the maintenance of the unit look like right now? And then you have to do some, you know, some analysis about what's the payoff too, right? Because sustainability is, it can be very expensive. So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's a question of resources as well, right? Like we want, we want to move forward certainly, but we do have to be um, aware that, you know, not everything's going to happen right away. Yeah. Those changes are good. They just have to be, you know, worth it and they have to work for everyone. And yeah, I think campus come a long way. Yeah. Thank you so much for answering all of our questions. And I'm looking forward to exploring that fact nine. And I know that there's kind of an upcoming fundraiser that plans to maybe help work on some of those trails a little more and maybe um, make some progress in these goals to connect the trails. So could you talk a little bit about the plant sale coming up before we close out here? Yeah, for sure. So uh, the plant sale is gonna be um, the first couple of weekends in October. And yeah, the plant selection is actually, it's very impressive, right? There's a lot of native plants, there's a lot of pollinator plants. So there is a pollinator garden over at the back nine. So, and there's also a lot of perennials, which are low maintenance plants, which maybe you're trying to get into it a little bit, whatever. yeah, and all of the the funds raised will go towards improving the Campbell River Trails, and this is the biggest fundraiser um, for the trails in like over the course of the year. Uh, and you know, all the plans are propagated by um, Campbell Biology like folks, so that's also very cool that you know they sort of have the origin at Campbell. Definitely, I did not know that part. That's great. All right, well, you heard it here first, fall plant sale. That's happening October 8th, 9th, and 15th and 16th, and that's in Sailor Park. So come on out and do some garden improvement. And once again, thank you so much, Dr. Gartner. Yeah, thanks for thanks for your time and for your interest in sustainability and for getting the word out about the river trails. Any old time. Mm-hmm.